When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Howdy folks, Nathan here with something even better than Roman, and that is Tommy. And we are coming at you with an interesting list for TFL Car, and that list has to do with vehicles that we, over 2023, we've driven that are either maybe somewhat exceptional, or maybe not very exceptional, or very surprising. So we've got a huge number of cars to talk about in this podcast. It's been a busy year going on press trips, vehicle loans, long-term purchases. We're talking about the high points, the low points, and everything in between. And Nathan, starting out with one of the better cars we drove this year, the GR Corolla. Oh my God. Tommy, can I tell you about old times? Back in my day when I was young... We used to have a vehicle, one of the first turbocharged all-wheel drive hatchbacks that I drove that was a hot hatch. It was the Mazda 323 Turbo. Okay. You remember hearing about that? Yeah, sure. It was, at the time, I mean, it really, you can't measure it by today's standards. It was very quick for its time. And in California, we used to, like, put it in sand and, like, oh, my God, it would go sideways and do cool things. That was, like, my early introduction to how cool hot hatches can be. And then, of course, you know, Subaru and everything else, the Impreza and WRXs and everything else that came along later. But that early feeling of driving something that is like, oh, my God, this is almost a cool perversion of what a hatchback is, that's exactly what the GR Corolla hatch is to me. It is remarkable, phenomenal, and at the same time rewarding. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, turbocharged three-cylinder Manual transmission only. 300 horsepower. Coming from Toyota, right? The brand that just a decade ago was making some of the most beige cars on the road. And now look at what they're doing. It's it's such a turnaround for Toyota. Now, I know that they still make plenty of vehicles that really are rather vanilla, if you want to call them that, or hearing aid beige, which is Tommy's favorite term. (laughs) But, But honestly, they've done, and this is thanks to their leader and many people there who are fans of racing, who are fans of powerful vehicles, and who are not fans of electrification. They're actually sticking with internal combustion to a certain degree. So this vehicle is exactly a throwback uh, to that. And in addition, it's it's going in the face of what everybody else is doing, and I love it. Now, how about another vehicle from Toyota real quick? Mm. The Prius and Prius Prime. Amazing design on the outside. Yeah. Phenomenal. They made a Prius look good, really good. And they made it handle and drive better than it used to. Uh, there are some issues, though. Uh, yeah, the headroom is not great. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. I mean, Tommy, you're over six foot. I'm over six foot. And both of us are like, mm, we get in it, but it's not the most comfortable thing to get into. But once you're in it, it's fine. It actually has less usable interior space than the previous Prius. But... It handles great. If you get the Prime, it's actually got some really good power, and it gets amazing gas mileage. I mean, look, they, they took a car that was the butt of many jokes. Yes. They gave it some real soul, some real performance. We actually raced it, you and Brendan, against our V8 Charger cop car, and it was a much closer race than anyone ever would have guessed. You know what I, I'm saying? Yeah, I actually didn't expect the results. I, I and. I was the one driving the Prius at the time, too. So it was, but it's it's more than that, though. It, it really is a tour de force, and it's an example of what Toyota can do when they're given a bunch of lemons. They really did make some excellent lemonade. Yeah, they really did. They did a great job. Now, I do want to give a shout-out to one of the big lows of 2023, and that has to be the dealer experience, especially surrounding the GR Corolla. Dear God. We got so many emails, so many comments of folks trying to buy this vehicle and experiencing some insane additional dealer markups, 10, even 15, $20,000 
were was not unheard of this year. So that was a real disappointment. Yeah, good luck finding any of them near MSRP. But I do recommend this in the comments below. If you happen to have heard of a GR Corolla that's being sold near MSRP, let us know in the comments below because that dealership deserves some love. And all the other ones that are playing this game for a really brief moment, they get a little extra dough in their pocket, it is going to hurt you down the line. Don't forget, people, especially when it comes to money, their memories are long. Yeah, that's true. All right, Nathan, what's next? What was another great well, point this year? I was very happy with the Mazda CX-30 and the CX-50. I kind of am putting them both in the same basket because they have very similar drivetrains. And although one is a little bit friskier than the other, I think that both of them sort of haggle over the same thing, right? The same type of customer. One just likes a slightly larger vehicle over the other. But they're both really, really well made. Very, very good cars. Um, and honestly, even if you get the ones that aren't turbocharged, you're still getting what I think is a very well screwed together, very good valued car. Now I run this test called the TFL Slip Test where we get various wheels stuck in these rollers to test all-wheel drive systems. And the CX-50 was one of the best performing cars of the year. And this is not the Meridian with the off-road bits. This is just a standard CX-50 Turbo. Great all-wheel drive system, well-packaged. And also when you see them on the road, right, like a CRV and a RAV4 kind of look narrow and tall, but like mm -hmm. the CX-50 really looks low on its haunches. Really kind of impressive. muscular, right? Yeah, yeah really cool. But the, uh, it's the adaptive all-wheel drive system that Mazda is using, which has proven to be a game changer for Mazda. Their all-wheel drive systems in the past, okay. Their newest ones, which has been out for about six or seven years now, it's getting better and better and better. And it does everything from looking at the temperature outside, whether or not you're using your windshield wipers, obviously traction, and those systems are just so damn good. They're very competitive with everybody from Subaru to Audi. And I just think that they're phenomenal vehicles. Put proper tires on them, they'd be unstoppable. Great cars, yeah. Now, in this class, one of my disappointments this year, Nathan, I do want to bring up, and I know you've spent some time in this car, I wasn't much of a fan of the Dodge Hornet. Yeah. The Dodge Hornet is an interesting little beast because, first of all, there's two of them. There is the regular, uh, the GT, which comes with the turbo, and... That one's my favorite if compared to the other one, which is the PHEV. Now, bear in mind, the PHEV is directly related, so is the other one, actually, to the Alfa Romeo Tonale. Tonalia. Yeah, Tonale. Thank you. You're the more Italian person than me. <laughs> um, and honestly, uh, it was a real weird thing because I was thinking about it as I was driving the car, realizing that this is going to be the only Dodge car that's new for many, many years. In addition, this will be one of the few that Dodge is actually making. The only other thing they're making is the Durango. And I kept thinking, that's kind of a letdown. Look, it's not terrible. It has great performance. It kind of feels like an old Subaru, the GT at least. Yeah. Um, so it's frisky and it's got great power. But for what you're paying, I just don't really see it. I don't quite understand its purpose other than being probably one of the faster, better handling vehicles in its class. That I will maintain the GT is. So I took some notes on um, the car they drove this year. I gave it a 5 out of 10. I said the most Italian car with the least Italian name, through and through Alfa Romeo for better or worse. 268 horsepower GT trim is quick. Yeah. Just like you were talking about, 2 liter sounds like a garbage disposal, but it pulls hard through its low 5500 RPM red line. Great design. I think it looks great. Kind of... Kind of aggressive. Um, low roof line in the front makes it feel much smaller. Uconnect is too small. Um, look, I think that it's probably one of the quicker cars in its class. Yes, agreed. It delivers great power. I felt like the ride was too firm. I didn't mm. like the seats very much. And yep. I thought it was too expensive for what it was. Uh, agree with you pretty much throughout the entire thing. I think that the, with their first year, they're going to learn a couple valuable lessons. You're going to see a lot of these at rental places. I guarantee it. This will be... The way they'll get out of this pickle is by pushing them towards a lot of fleets. So perhaps if you're interested in one, go test drive one over at your local rental car agency. Now the PHEV on the other hand. Never driven it. Is it good? No. No, not no. too good, no, huh? Not, not that great. Not for the money mm. because you're spending a lot more money to get this extra boost with the PHEV and it doesn't really feel like you're getting much. Plus it's heavier and yeah, more expensive. So. In the end, the idea of having a plug-in hybrid is always great in my mind, 
but the extra complexity and extra weight of that vehicle is very noticeable. Wasn't it? Yeah. All right, so, what else we got on the good list, Nathan? Okay, so the good list, another kid that's just playing right, and I kind of passed over that. I don't know why I did that, um, is the Honda Pilot. Oh, yes. Um, the Honda Pilot has recently gone through a bit of a renaissance. And they took it from being a rather boring crossover, and then they gave it an off-road trim. And it was actually a usable off-road trim, one that I was able to overland with and take it to um, several different places off-road, including Moab, where I did submerge it, but that's a whole different story. Um, <laughs> but but I, was, I slept in it for a few nights, and I, I really did use this thing as an actual overlander. But more importantly, it proved to be very competent off-road with one of the best all-wheel drive systems for off-roading, I should say, that's out there in this class. Um, even better than the CX-90, which is frankly just too long and too low to the ground. This thing is completely different, uh, great tires, the uh, IVTM4 system is probably one of the most dialed in for this type of ter hard terrain next to having a full-blown proper, you know, low transfer case. So it is really good. And it did very well on your uh, rollers too, I believe. Yeah, absolutely killed it. You know, they also did this cool thing in the trail sport where they have given it a true skid plate that extends underneath the car with an integrated recovery point at the front of the skid plate. Yes, it's not just a piece of plastic. Yeah. Thank they, goodness. It's a great car. You know, I thought they were a little conservative with the powertrain. Mm. You know, it's got the new 10 speed, which is good, but naturally aspirated V6. I thought yeah. the interior was also a little conservative from the redesign standpoint. But as a car, it was excellent to drive. And Nathan, you weren't kidding about that all-wheel drive system. Um, we took it up some pretty serious off-road terrain. Uh, you did, I know, Moab. I did with the engineering team in camouflage. And it's amazing what this three-row crossover that's built to take families places will do. Yeah, I still think that if you guys are serious about going off-road, you need to go up to something that Jeep builds or some, you know, General Motors or perhaps even like, you know, a Sequoia. But this is just below that in terms of its capability and, and ruggedness. And I was really impressed, truly, truly impressed. We also had the Passport last week for a full week. I put over 500 miles in that car and driving impressions are still embargoed, the new 2024. But what I will say is a lot of what we were saying about the pilots through the Passport, I like the size of the Passport more. I like the um, uh, kind of the dimensions a little better. Yeah, it's lighter. Too. Yeah, a little bit lighter, a little bit more nimble. I, you know, I wish they kind of put it on the new pilot platform. It's still running on the old one, but also an excellent car, one of the highlights. Yeah, absolutely. So let's continue. Uh, do you want to go to a negative or do you want to continue with the positives or what do you want to do? Yeah, let's go to another disappointing, Nathan. Ah, uh, the Honda HRV. Speaking of Honda. Ah. Ugh, the Honda HRV, guys. All right. I went to uh, the Pacific Northwest to drive it when it came out. And to say that I was a little underwhelmed would be an understatement. But it's not a terrible vehicle by any measure, but it's nothing special. And I think that's the easiest way for me to, to say it. It's nothing special. It actually is not as efficient as the vehicle it replaces, nor does the interior have the usable space as the vehicle it replaces, yet it's bigger physically than the vehicle it replaces. So in my mind, I'm looking at this thing just thinking, why does this exist? It's been a very difficult thing. And you got a chance to test it with it's some all-wheel drive system, I believe. Yeah, and it didn't perform all that well. Now, it doesn't get that all-wheel drive system that we were talking about in the past. The past not the IVTM4, that's for sure. No, no, definitely not. And um, yeah, I wasn't that impressed with the all-wheel drive performance of the car. I also think it's just a little blobby. You know, it's just not a very attractive design. Not at all. The, the only part that's attractive from the outside is the rear end. I kid you not. The front end looks kind of like it's a derivative between, say, a Ford uh, Focus Fusion type thing yeah. going on in the front. Yeah. But, but, but that's melted wax in addition. This, the side profile is dreadful. It's just really very uninspiring. Nothing that I've seen Honda do with it made it look any better. And they've done all these little trims overseas for the uh, Japanese market. And nothing looks particularly good to me. The interior is rather boring as well. Frankly, this just looks like someone just said, yeah, let's just build something real quick to please people and get it done. They fell out of love with the design before they even finished. Yeah, I agree. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I agree. Well, let's go back to another good car, Nathan. What's another highlight of the year? All right. So we've been talking about some of the uh, others' uh, vehicles that really make me go, hmm. But here's one that makes me go, wow, in terms of money, because I'm talking about the Buick and Vista. Oh. Now, the Buick and Vista, I know what you're saying. A Buick? Seriously? <laughs> it gets worse for some of you. A three-cylinder turbocharged Buick. Yeah. This thing is a hell of a deal. For those of you guys who are willing to go and look at a vehicle that actually provides pretty decent power, I think decent looks, a very comfortable interior. It is basically, and what we called it is, the Chevy Trax in a tuxedo. It is an, it's the same powertrain, very similar in terms of interior components, but it, it gets the upgrade. So it has nicer wheels, nicer tires, nicer exterior design, prettier colors, and of course the interior design is far nicer. Oddly, the uh, entry-level version of the Invista is my favorite. I think it has the best color combination on the interior, and it absolutely is a killer for budgets. It is a very affordable vehicle. It gets excellent mileage, and the performance is quite good. So I think it's just a really good overlooked bargain. So let's talk about Buick for a little bit, because yes. they've kind of been lost in the woods for a little um, and I'm not really sure I know where Buick stands in the marketplace anymore or where the Invista stands because it is a very affordable car. I mean, you're looking at realistically probably low 30s to mid 30s for this car. Oh, oh even less. Even less. Yes, yes. You could start under 30 for this. So what? what is, is this supposed to be like a premium offering? Is this supposed to be a luxury car? What it's is this? It's an entry level to the Buick brand. So if you want to go up a level, then you're going to be getting the larger Buicks that are out there, of course. Uh, the Encore and all that. Right. Uh, but this is what's getting people from Chevrolet to Buick or perhaps from another brand to Buick. Now, I know a lot of you guys are really against small displacement three-cylinder turbos, although we were just lauding the Toyota Corolla GR. GR Corolla. Um, so this isn't as powerful, but it's a similar idea, you know? Uh, three-cylinders can make it work. But in my mind, what Buick is doing is they're trying to reinvent themselves as the least expensive luxury maker. And I think that that is the direction they're headed. And it doesn't surprise me at all. Whether or not they actually pull this off and convince you guys that you should buy a Buick over a Chevrolet, that remains to be seen. Wow, I'm looking at uh, over at TFL Car, we've got a store in the pricing. 23495 Yeah, but realistically, you're, you're going to be 26 20s. Yeah. Um, the one I looked at, and I actually have a family member who uh, probably will end up buying one. She's getting it for about 25 and change. They're at MSRP right now just because they're not super popular. But she also lives in Southern California. One thing about this car that's a bit of a disappointment, and it goes with its brother, the Trax. No all-wheel drive version, nor is there an option that will be available ever. This is a car. Essentially, this is a hatchback, kind of a fastback version of that. If you want more utility, look at the tracks, and we will be talking about the tracks a little bit later. Yeah, that's right. All right, Nathan, I've never driven this car. Does it feel better enough than the Chevy to justify the additional yeah. price? Yeah. Yeah, I think okay, so. Interesting. Yeah, they, they changed the suspension tuning a little bit, and they've made it a little quieter on the inside. And all these little things play together, and you begin to forget that you're basically driving, you know, the cousin of the uh, of the Chevy tracks. And that was what really impressed me. Remember, I'm a value guy. I don't really enjoy the high-end luxury, a high-end sport. I like the lower-end stuff that humans can actually afford. And I think that for an affordable vehicle, if you can get it for the MSRP, that this is a hell of a good deal. I, I agree with that completely. All right, Nathan, so let's talk about another vehicle on my list. And I actually want to talk about a couple. This is a twofer. Let's talk about some of the big reveals that we saw this year oh, yeah. that we haven't driven. And I think the two big ones that came out of nowhere, the world debut of the 2024 Lexus GX, and of course, the new Toyota Land Cruiser. I blew me away through, I mean, I just, I'm almost speechless right now and I'm never speechless. Tommy can attest to that. <laughs> It is such an incredible mix of two vehicles to come out. And what's really interesting to me is the fact that they're not the same vehicle. A lot of people are thinking, oh, it's the same you know, powertrain. What? No, no, actually not. Right. They're very different. And I think that they really do hit two different levels in terms of financially where they come in and also two different levels of overall 
off-road um, uh, gravitas. Mm. That's the word, gravitas. So uh, very, very cool vehicles. Yeah, I mean, and let's talk about like the Land Cruiser to start with, right? Toyota basically lopped 30 grand, realistically, 25, 30 grand off the price of the 200 series to the 250. Now, it's a smaller vehicle. It yep. went from V8 to Turbo 4 Hybrid. It's a very different sized vehicle, but I just I can't wait that, you know, you can buy now a Land Cruiser for mid-50s, low-60s before markups um, that, uh, <laughs> that has this kind of capability with it. Right. Uh, a lot of what you're seeing with this vehicle has to do with the brand new Toyota Tacoma that's coming out with the hybrid powertrain. Unlike the Tacoma, I believe that the um, Land Cruiser gets the hybrid powertrain standard. Standard. Similar that's to right. like the Sequoia also getting a standard hybrid powertrain. Yeah. And people are not happy about that. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people out there who are like, turbos are already evil. And then to add, <laughs> you know, but I'm not wrong. A right. lot of people feel that way. Right. And then in addition, adding, you know, an electric motor to it more evil. Um, I will say, and I will go on record by saying that Toyota is known for building very stout hybrid power train systems, and I'm not concerned about that. I do understand the turbocharging issue to a certain degree. Also, um, I'm curious to see how this performs off-road, because when you have a turbocharger, there is lag and some other issues, and will that affect the way it rock crawls? I don't know. I mean, my perspective is, right, if you're looking at it from a reliability standpoint, we're dealing with Toyota, mm -hmm. right? Toyota introduced a hybrid system over two decades ago. This Land Cruiser uses a nickel metal hydride pack, which is old, 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 basic technology. Super reliable, though. Super reliable, right? Yeah, and exactly the 2.4, right? It's, it's been around now for a little while in the Highlander. We've seen it in some other products. Mm -hmm. It seems to be pretty stout. And the great news is, if you don't want the 2.4 liter, just go ahead and get the Lexus GX, because that vehicle is going to be available with the, uh, the twin-turbo V6. Right. So remember I mentioned the Sequoia? This is a very similar powertrain that's coming out of the Sequoia. I'm not 100% sure. I know that this has the 10-speed, right? But mm -hmm. does the uh, Land Cruiser also have the 10-speed, or does it have the 8-speed? I think speed? it's an 8. Yeah, that, yeah, I thought so. So packaging is very different. Don't think that these vehicles are the same. The Lexus is a larger vehicle. It's a thicker vehicle, and it has a larger engine, a heavier engine. But in terms of uh, its overall capability off-road, honestly don't know. We don't know what they're going to do, but I can guarantee you this. They will be competitive right out of the box. Yeah, I mean, look, we, we love the current GX. It's a car actually on my, uh, my best cars of this list. The uh, GX460, guys, right now is a hell of a deal. That yep. car is so old that the pricing is also like 10 years old. And you can get one of those for like high 50s, mid to high 50s. V8, four-wheel drive, low range, leather everywhere, great interior, uses a ton of gas, will last forever. Easily one of the better cars I've driven this year. I would disagree with only one thing about it. What? Um, I, I'm not comfortable driving them. You can't get comfortable it's in the current the, GX, huh? The, the current GX for me is a little tiny uncomfortable where the, the seat, where I, the height of the seating position. Yeah. Everything else is fantastic. Everything else is amazing. But this new one, I'm willing to bet even better. Yeah. Uh, because Toyota, it's not just Toyota, any automaker. They rarely will come out with a new version of something and make it worse than the, the vehicle they're replacing, although that has happened before. But I don't think it's the, the case right now. And look, we're looking at true off-road capability in both of these vehicles. I mean, they just knocked out of the park with the design and the tech, and we're going to hopefully drive it here in the next couple, couple months, so you'll want to stay tuned for that. Yeah. Now, Nathan, another big reveal that you went on this year that just shocked everybody has to be the reveal of the Hyundai Santa Fe. Now, we haven't driven it yet, but it will be happening soon. The Hyundai Santa Fe is, now some people might think it comes directly from Minecraft or Roblox or something like that in terms of its exterior design. It certainly is squared off, very Land Cruiser, Land Rover-ish uh, in terms of its square body. Completely blew us away. We did not expect this. Okay, well, we did a little bit because we saw some of the teasers. But the point is, is that <laughs> it, 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 its overall exterior and interior design has been completely redone. But su surprisingly, the powertrain is essentially is the same for now. In addition, plug-in hybrids and things like that, not happening quite yet. So that's going to happen a little bit further down the road. And they haven't indicated whether or not there's going to be additional powertrains on top of that. That'll replace the current powertrain. But with that being said, we are talking about a vehicle that is far more family friendly, has a much larger rear tailgate and entrance area. 
The overhangs are much, much smaller. It looks very off-roady. We do not know whether or not it will be, but the interior is a hell of a thing because that looks like it came right out of Land Rover's uh, book. You know what I mean? It's just so close to it. Incredible looking vehicle. And we'll see if it drives as good as it looks very soon. Yeah, I mean, it looks like a small G-Wagon. Yeah. I mean, it's gorgeous. And here's the thing about Hyundai. Like, every time they come out with a new model, it looks like they threw the old one completely in the trash yep. and started fresh. I mean, and that's good and bad, right? Like, with BMW, a 5 Series looks pretty much the same generation after generation. There's clear lineage. A Sonata looks like it could be a completely different brand, a completely different company every time there's a new gen. So I think that both helps and hurts them. Like, if you like the old one, you may hate the new one. Yep. Right? And vice versa. But I think the Santa Fe was a home run from a design standpoint. Yeah. Almost every journalist agrees that this is just unexpected in such a good way, especially for a vehicle that was really sitting mid, if not lower pack in terms of sales and popularity. This is going to go to the top of the pack, at least immediately uh, in terms of interest with the public, because it's just astonishing to look at. Hi guys. Fall is a really busy time of year for me, and I bet it is for you. If you're looking for a great ready-to-eat meal kit, check out Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, which can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. Adjust your stride this autumn without missing a step. Choose from 35-plus weekly, flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals that promote a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences all ready to eat in two minutes. With Factor, you can rest assured that you're making a sustainable choice. We offset 100% of our delivery emissions and source 100% renewable electricity for our production sites and offices. This October, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Head to factormeals.com slash TFLtalk50 and use the code TFLtalk50 and get 50% off. That's code TFLtalk50 at factormeals.com slash TFLtalk50 to get 50% off. Now, this was another one of my highlights. We actually got to see this a couple times. First, in Tokyo, though, we've got the upcoming Honda Prelude concept. Now, they say this is a concept, but it's got real door handles and real mirrors, and it looks like it could be put in production tomorrow. It looks that finished. So I'm kind of questioning whether or not it's a concept, but we're told it's going to be powered by a hybrid system if they do put it into production. And the Prelude, an iconic nameplate that uh, Nathan probably remembers from 100 years ago, but yep. it's back now with uh, with a new twist. I've driven almost every version of the Prelude, including the one that had four-wheel steering. Uh, there's It's an interesting car because it's come from being just a slightly stretched version of a Civic to what could be, in theory, Honda's new performance vehicle that slots in maybe underneath the Civic R. Yeah. Um, I'm very curious to see whether or not they build it. It certainly looks like it's ready to go into production. I'll say that. Yeah, it looks gorgeous. So I really hope this comes into being. All right, Nathan, let's talk about some more stuff we have driven versus just the concepts. Let's go to another disappointment. What kind of left you hanging this year? Well, it, it's a pretty easy one, but it is the uh, Toyota uh, BZ4XYZ. Oh, um, yeah, BZ4X. Yeah, I, I was really... Um, I'll tell you why I was disappointed. Uh, we were just lauding Toyota for their design, all the cool stuff they're building, and, you know, very capable cars that are fast or fun or whatever, and it's an amazing new Toyota. Then there's this. And this is sort of the caveat with everything they've been building. Now we get it. This is a compliance car. They built this strictly... Well, they appears. won't. They won't tell you that. No, of course not. They'll say it's a it's a full production vehicle. Yeah. But so, what exactly about the BZ4X didn't you like? Uh, for the price, the range. The range, yeah. Yeah, I don't mind the looks at all. As some people do, I don't. I don't mind the looks. The interior is fine. Uh, it's a little weird, but it's got it's got good comfort. It basically, has about the same amount of space as a Rav4. Sort of, yeah. Um, and its general design doesn't bother me, but it has slow charging. It has a battery that's just not up to the task for its price. 
And in addition, its overall performance is underwhelming. Right. So it doesn't really feel competitive. So what you're buying is just a nameplate. You're not buying a vehicle that, especially against like the Koreans, the Koreans absolutely blow it out of the water with the Ionic 5 and 6. Yeah, no, look, it's, it's too expensive. It doesn't qualify for the tax credit and it doesn't deliver the range. Thank you. You're right, mid 200s, it also charges very poorly on a DC fast charger. So what you end up with is a car that is Good around town. You know, it's a good. fine car to drive. It's pretty comfortable. I agree with the looks. I think it's a good looking vehicle. It's going to be pretty good in the snow. But realistically, it's just not going to have the performance for longer trips. It's just too expensive compared to some of its other EV competition. Yeah, I just don't quite understand uh, Toyota's thinking with this. Now, bear in mind, Toyota is talking about some serious upgrades in the future with their whole EV fleet. And they are building EVs. They say they are. That's including the possibility of having in the near future solid state batteries, much faster charging, let's say for batteries, all that other stuff, but that's still in the future. We're talking about this vehicle now. It's just so, so. All right, so Nathan, let's go to another good. What's another car that you got excited about this year? The Kia EV6, the GT. Oh yeah. Oh, um, okay, speaking of the Koreans, right, and building just really good cars, I love the design of both the Ionic 5 and then its cousin, the EV6. Very different, even though they sit on a very similar platform. Uh, one is a little bit more performance-oriented than the other. This GT is super fast. I think it looks really cool. Yeah, if you throw the word Tesla out there, yes, Tesla's going to be faster. Tesla does better with range. But this car is sort of unique in its own right in terms of its handling, which is very good for an EV. And I just like some of its polarizing styling, including those ridiculous green uh, brake calipers. Those things are just bizarre. Right. I don't get it, but it's awesome. Look, they market this as a, quote, SUV, but it really, it's, it's a hot hatch, right? Yeah, it's a wagon. I mean, it's the performance in this, 0 to 60 in the low three seconds. You got drift modes. You got uh, different drive modes to make it more engaging. Big, fat tires. Uh, it's also got that 800-volt architecture, so it charges like a monster. Yeah, really. it's a great charging vehicle. Not the best range. Uh, we did a special range test with this vehicle versus a Volvo a uh, Chevy Bolt and also a uh, Tesla. And uh, it, it didn't do great. But what it did do was it wowed Andre, who drove it that entire way, by being a low-slung sports car. It's a funny thing because even though it's supposed to be an SUV, you sit in it and you kind of feel like you're in a Lamborghini. I kid you not. Yeah. Now, if you want a better headroom with performance that's not quite on par but close, uh, that would be the Ionic 5. Once again, they are related. And that's the car I prefer, but I, in, I drove that last year. This year, it's this one. And just a cool car. Yeah, and look, I got a chance to check out the Ionic 5 and the upcoming one. Yeah. Which is an interesting kind of twist on this platform. Uh, what they've done is they have made it even more track focused. So look, the, the EV6 is a GT car. I talked to Albert Bierman, who was like the engineering chief, who came from BMW's M division. GT, they really wanted it to be a GT. The Ionic 5N, this is the track focused one. And it has fake shifting, Nathan. Which I love, even though I've never tried it before. Just because- You like that idea, huh? I, because they're trying to make it more engaging. Even if it doesn't work, right? Even if you sit in and you're like, oh God, this is garbage. Or, you know, this is silly and it's a gimmick. Just like having CVTs that are stepped. Right, so they feel like they're an automatic transmission to make you feel a little bit more at ease or a little sportier in some cases, I guess. That's kind of where this is coming from. And in my mind, look, you can deactivate it and you don't have to use it, right? You could just drive this thing like a regular electric car. Sure. But the fact that they have that, I think that's really cool. That kind of shows the thinking that I like, which is give the customer something that makes them smile even if it's ridiculous, and I like that idea. So what they've done is they've actually simulated, I think it's an eight-speed transmission, and the car will accelerate and then hit a, quote, rev limiter, and then you have to upshift, and it will simulate sound on the inside of the car as well. And according to Bierman and his team, the car is actually quicker around the track with most drivers in the simulated mode because you get a sensation of speed than when you just put it in the all-out EV mode, which is actually technically quicker zero to 60. So the manual mode makes it slower, makes it fake noise-wise, makes it fake shift points, but faster on the track for most folks. I would, I would say that that makes a little bit of sense. So one of the things that 
once again, CBTs were doing was you could kind of hold a certain RPM. You weren't really holding a gear per se, but you were holding a certain RPM, which was great to go around corners and have like, you know, if you wanted to bury it at like 4,500 RPM around a corner and squirt out of there fast, having those fake gears kind of helped a little bit. I think that this is sort of the same thinking behind that, that you're able to kind of spike the vehicle in a certain way to where you're at exactly where you want to be once you get used to it, I'm, I'm assuming. Sure, right. When you get out of that corner and then launch out of it. Because, you know, in the corner, slow, out of the corner, fast. And I think that you can do that with something like this. And look, they have professional drivers who are figuring it out. So I am looking forward to, in the near future, getting our driver, Paul, behind the wheel of that because he will be able to give us an honest um, appraisal of how good this thing actually is. Now, looking at the list here, Nathan, you had another one on your list that was disappointing, the uh, BMW 2 Series. Oh, my God. Um, so can we talk about the seats? <laughs> yeah, on the M2? Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about the seats. So the M2. Now, the 2 Series in general just didn't really... I used to love the 2 Series. So the newer ones are, are, are just not floating my boat. But what really got me was in the M2 they have this unusual component in the seat right between your legs, right where uh, <laughs> the man equipment goes, or female equipment, I guess, and it's just plasticky and doesn't make any sense. I don't see how this can help anybody driving other than make them feel uncomfortable. It's as if the Germans said, we want you to feel uncomfortable while driving this thing fast. Mm. I don't understand its purpose. Yeah, yeah, look, it's... Um it's got the crotch bolster, also the side bolsters really tuck up high, several inches against your thighs. Yeah. And it's just too much, right? Especially in the M2. Now, the normal 2 Series is a little better. But the M2, though, it's um, the manual transmission is not very good as, as far yeah, as manuals go. Yeah, that was the other thing. It's, it, there are better out there. Right. Uh, I think it looks cool. I like the haunches. I think that's a good look. Um, but yeah, it just, just didn't quite live up to the expectations, especially because the old one was so fantastic. The new one looks better. It's a higher performing vehicle. It, it, I think the, it's an attractive car. It just doesn't quite quite fulfill the, the, the same, uh, same things. Agree 100%. So Nathan, another vehicle I wanted to talk to you about that I really liked this year was the, um, the Toyota Grand Highlander. Yes, uh, and both of us got a chance to drive it. It was it should have been on my list, actually. Um, the Grand Highlander, I think, should be the only Highlander. That's just my own personal opinion. The only Highlander, okay. Yeah, I, there should only be one. I see, because I was from the movie, there should only be Okay, anyway, so um, in terms of Highlanders, the Grand Highlander has the powertrain potential to make it fast, economical, and yet have lots of room for the family in it. The regular Highlander's third row is a joke, whereas in the Grand Highlander has great room in the third row, enough room for my large Batuti to get back there. But at the same time, its drivability is quite good. I really liked it. Yeah, I, look, I think it's the right size. Yep. I think it's decent value, especially if you compare it to some of the Lexus competitions. Or like, Sequoia. Like the TX. It's more roomy than a Sequoia. Yes, thank you. Look, there's really no reason to buy a Sequoia over this unless you want to tow. Bingo. Yeah. So if you're towing or if you're hauling really heavy loads and you need a truck that's an SUV and you want a Toyota, then you get the Sequoia. In terms of space, the Grand Highlander has better usable space. Or if you want to go off-road... Right. Yes, yes, of course. But for 99% of people, this is going to be a better vehicle. It's going to be getting much better fuel economy. Oh, yeah. It's going to be much more comfortable. Your kids are going to be much happier in the back seat. Yeah, it's, it's what they really should have done. I think you're right, maybe from the beginning. Yeah, and I like the new design of it. I think it looks much better than the previous Highlander. And I just think the drivability of it, maneuverability for a vehicle that's relatively long, is quite good. It's just a good all-around vehicle. Very, very impressed with it. Now let's talk about another vehicle on our on your list, actually, Nathan. You didn't like, which was the Hyundai Venue. Ah, uh, yes. So the Venue. Um, I know that this <laughs> will probably uh, upset your father. Um, so the Venue is the least expensive Hyundai you can buy now. I believe they just discontinued the Accent. Mm -hmm. um, and so the Venue is entry level. My issue with the Venue, there's two. One, no all-wheel drive version. Even though it looks and it's advertised to be a crossover, it's not. It's a hatchback that is relatively tall. Um, and I just think that it is remarkably underpowered, especially being equipped with the CVT. Uh, I, I drove a rental version of it, and I was surprised with how poorly it merged into traffic in downtown Denver to the point to where I had a semi on my butt and <laughs> I was really concerned. It is good packaging, don't get me wrong. 
I'm sure it's a relatively safe car, but it is certainly is not quick enough. Um, and I just don't really think of it as being very competitive in a segment where other vehicles that have a very similar type of powertrain give you a little bit more uh, for a little bit less. Interesting. Now, I, I kind of have a different approach. I like the Venue. I think it's an attractive package. It's pretty affordable, and it gives you a lot of room on the inside. Mm. It's not a high-performance vehicle. Not even close. Um, but I think it's better than a lot of, like, the Kia Rios and Accents that, you know, used to be the entry-level products. I think it's attractive and very roomy for what it is. Yeah. Uh, once again, I re it's really about the powertrain that I have a biggest issue with. I just feel that it just needs a little bit more oomph or a slightly different retuned CVT, perhaps. Okay. Right. And I want to talk about one other of your biggest disappointments of this year. Uh, On the list, the VinFast, Nathan. Yeah, VF7. Now... I know that there is an orgy going on with automotive uh, journalists absolutely pounding this vehicle and saying how absolutely dreadful, horrible, blah, 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 that is. Before we go there, and let me explain why there are issues with it. First of all, this is their first effort in the United States, and they were trying to build a car that I think is, they're trying to build it comparable to, say, the Mustang Mach-E. That's the vehicle I would say is directly competitive with the VF7. However... The VF7, among its good points, the one thing I will give it... VF8? Really, are we talking this one? So VF8. I said yeah. 7, didn't I? Yeah, 8. Yeah, I yeah. meant 8. See, I'm, <laughs> I'm totally out of the loop. Um, well, VinFast is testing other vehicles, and they're not including us for some strange reason. But no, anyway, the VF8, uh, yeah, it is comparable to the Mustang Mach-E, but uh, it doesn't handle as well. But it's really fast. So the fast part of Vin is great. Uh, it accelerates really hard, which is uh, great, uh, and that's about it. Um, it's, it, I'm sorry, but its structure is squeaky and definitely not as well put together as some of those competitors. Interiors, okay, uh, relatively comfortable seats, but I think the worst part on top of the build quality is also its infotainment uh, system. Might be not only one of the worst, but also it's kind of scary to use. And the car constantly beeps at you and yells at you as you drive, which takes your attention off the road. Um, there are many videos out there, including ours, that lambast the vehicle and just say it's terrible. I don't think it's completely horrible and hopeless. I think for a first effort, there was some merit in its uh, straight line performance, but they need to update the hell out of it to make the VF8 competitive. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, look, I mean, it's impressive to me that they got a brand new car to market on sale in the U.S., right? Yep. That's a pretty amazing feat. And it's not some rebadged, you know, BMW or nope. whatever. It's an all-new platform, essentially, that VinFast has created. Right. And look, it's a complete package. It, it, it doesn't have body panels hanging off it. The chrome looks pretty good. The yeah, interior okay. looks nice. It's a nice design. Um, but they just, like, they didn't quite, it seems to me, finish the, the, the time in the oven. Yes, yes, yeah. exactly. It, it did feel unfinished. And I think that that was a huge mistake. They should have just waited a year, you know, and said, okay, now we're ready to go. We've done all the tuning. We've got it ready for you guys. Maybe they should have brought in like other automakers, uh, journalists who, you know, hey, just test this. Let us know what you think. Let's put a, you know, a cap on reviewing it. Just test it. And that would have been fine because plenty of journalists would have told them what was wrong with it. But regardless of that, they're still going ahead with plans to build these vehicles in the United States, which means they are eligible for certain types of federal tax credits, which is something to keep in mind. Uh, in addition, they're supposed to be introducing less expensive versions of this vehicle or other vehicles from uh, VenFast in the near future, which is another thing because this car is frankly too expensive. You would think it would be, you know, undercut everybody with its price, and it doesn't. And mm. that, to me, is also a huge miss. Look, I, um, I think that um, uh, you like this car a lot more than a lot of other folks out there. Yeah. I, I appreciate what it is, and I, I'm hopeful for the company. You know, I don't want to say that they're going they're terrible and they should go out of business. I think that there's potential here. Yes. They just need a little bit more time. Exactly. That yeah. is exactly the way I'd put it. All right. Now, Nathan, let's talk about some of the biggest surprises of the year. And you've got one that I think I am in complete agreement with. What are we talking about? Remember how we were talking about the Buick uh, Invista and how it is just a hell of a bargain? Well, we're talking about its cousin now. Mm. And that is the Chevy Trax. Now, this has nothing to do with the previous Chevy Trax. This is a different platform. It's a different vehicle. And... Whether you or not you like where it's built or how it's built or the three-cylinder turbo that's in it, you have to agree that its entry-level pricing is 
excellent, especially when you consider what you get for the price, because you're getting the full infotainment system. Uh, yeah, there's a couple different levels that you can get, but you're still getting the big screen. You are still getting what I think is a fairly comfortable interior, very roomy for what is a small car. And the pricing that it comes in at, it is really impressive considering what you can get for the money from other automakers. Excellent deal from Chevrolet. I couldn't agree more. You know, I didn't love the old tracks. It felt pretty bargain basement. Yeah. And then the new one comes out. It's low. It's wide. It's attractive. I think so. And the number of features you get. So the one I drove was the 1.2 turbo, six-speed automatic. Yeah. 26 grand with pretty much every bell and whistle. Yeah, yours, yours was like the near the top of the line too, yeah. or the higher end, I should say. And the technology was fantastic. Yes. The infotainment was great. The seats were comfortable. I mean, this easily could have been a $40,000 car and yep. it wouldn't have blinked twice. But look, we're living in an era where the average new car transaction price now is 48 grand. Right. Something crazy. The fact that you can still get a, a, a quality product for the mid $20,000 range is remarkable and should be should be um should be really appreciated it should be lauded frankly yeah, and, right and, and the bottom line for me with this vehicle just seeing it running around and watching other people finally starting to buy this thing is dude you got yourself a great bargain yeah. you got a great car and there are just so few out there to get i once again kudos to chevrolet because i did not expect this vehicle i kept thinking they're just going to blow the pricing through the roof with everything they build because they're building a lot of evs now Nope, I was wrong. And this thing, I think, is a quality car. Now, the downside, which we talked about with the Buick, is front-wheel drive only. Mm -hmm. However, um, personally, if it were me, if I if I was shopping between this car and a more expensive crossover with all-wheel drive that was at the top of my budget, I would buy the tracks and then buy a set of snow tires. Exactly, snow tires. <laughs> You're going to be better off because yep. all-wheel drive really doesn't help that much in turning, and it certainly doesn't help in stopping. So a good set of tires on the tracks. I took this thing off-road through a trenches course, and even with front-wheel drive, the car is so small and light that it was able to crawl its way up the course. And pretty decent torque, right? Especially yeah, really good torque. It's such a small displacement little three-cylinder banging away doing its job. And yeah, okay. It's not an all-wheel drive vehicle, but look what you're paying for. And also, it's very efficient, too. So keep that in mind. In terms of a very good first car, I think that this is one of the most outstanding ones out there in its class financially. I mean, I do agree that, um, you know, people are concerned about the turbo reliability. Yep. You know, they, 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 they see the Korea connection and they get concerned. Um, it does have an impressive warranty, which is worth noting. Yes. And um, I, I think it's going to be okay, just from my initial impression. I love the way it drove. It really gave Headling good torque. It was really good, too, right? Yeah, and when you consider that, like, a lot of affordable cars are going to have a naturally aspirated, small, relatively low-powered engine, especially at elevation, the fact you can get a turbo engine is, uh, is really, really good. Well, here's one more thing to back this up. Remember that we were just talking about the, um, the venue from Hyundai. Just a couple thousand dollars difference between the two. Yes. I mean, and you're getting a much more capable, powerful, and logical vehicle. 100%. Yeah. Now, I'm going to finish my big surprise up with actually another GM product, believe it or not. So we spent a lot of time with the, uh, the Bolt. Um, and the Bolt EV is seriously probably one of my favorite, if not my favorite car on the market that's being discontinued. Such a Temporarily. mistake. Temporarily. Yes, I know temporarily, but the, the value proposition on this car. Yeah, some of these commercials, Nathan, <laughs> a little out of hand here. I just didn't expect this. Okay. Look, the value on this car is unbeatable. Yep. Low 20s for 240 miles of range, good infotainment, Apple CarPlay. You know, just get the base car, drive the beans off of it. It's so cheap to drive. And it handles well, and it's got good power. Yeah, and they're amazing. It moves out of its own way. And so, we once again, that test we did where we went up against Volvo and Tesla and um, Kia, we took this one as well, right? And it absolutely blew us away with, its, with, with our expectations. It did much better than advertised in terms of its mileage, if you recall. We do recall, yeah. And Alex was driving it, and we all know Alex hammers the hell out of anything he drives, and yet this car did remarkably well. Yeah, it was on par with the Model 3 in terms of real-world range. Yep. Yeah, I mean, incredible car. The quality was good. The seats are much improved over the last one. 
Um, it's not flashy, it's not fancy, but easily uh, easily worth the money. And, and you know, in an era once again where cars are forty, fifty thousand dollars on the regular, especially an EV, the fact you can get one of these new from mid twenties was uh, was amazing. It's such a shame they killed it. It is a shame they killed it. Now this is what I'm hearing. They're going to bring it back as the EUV model, which is the slightly larger version of this. Essentially, more headroom, a little bit more cargo space, but it's the same car basically. Yeah. But I think that they're going to change around. I don't know if they're going to use the Ultium package actually. I don't, I don't have that in front of me whether or not it's going to happen, um, but I don't think they are. And the funny thing, too, is like, look, we're looking at our two biggest surprises this year are both GM products. Crazy, right? Right. And it's interesting, like, GM has some of the best engineering in some of the products in the world. Corvette, Corvette E-Ray was amazing. Trax, Bolt for value, yeah. really, really good. And then some other products are just kind of run-of-the-mill, like the Equinox. Eh. It's not great. You no, know? no. And then go ahead and look at some of their trucks. I mean, look what happened to poor Andre in his uh, Chevy Colorado. There's a lot of tech issues that he's having. So not everything is perfect and bright and sunny, but in the vehicles that we were talking about, pretty damn impressive. So surprising. And also keep in mind, nobody else has an answer for this. Yeah, we're hearing that Volvo will eventually have an answer for it. Right, we still the haven't, 30 yep. Yeah, we haven't driven it yet, haven't even touched it other than having a few moments with it with a video camera that lasted no time. The bottom line here is that for the price, and they're still available, the Bolt is a remarkable bargain. 100%, yeah, and if you're looking for a great EV, if you can still find one in inventory, buy a Bolt, 100%. Get the track, such good value, even yep. with front-wheel drive. My God, this is a Chevy commercial. Great, here we go. No, we're not there, being paid everybody, by Chevy, Everybody's going to be like, you're getting paid by Chevy, bro. We're, uh, we're missing any Fords on the list, Nathan. Any ones that surprised you Well, they year? don't build cars anymore, guys. Yeah. So, I mean, okay, so let's quickly, 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 quickly. They're getting rid of the Echo Sport or Eco Sport. That's gone, basically, so we can't really talk about that. Not that it was any good because it never was. And also, they're getting rid of the Edge. That's, it was okay. The ST version was kind of fun. Uh, so what do we got left? We have the Ford escape plug-in hybrid that we recently drove not and that good. was okay right didn't have an all-wheel drive version of or no it did no it doesn't no it doesn't plug -in right. hybrid yeah yeah so eh, not so great and frankly everything else in terms of the other options for ford are either trucks which is on the truck channel or i guess you could say the um what is it the ford uh explorer which we haven't seen one at our office in what three years look i think the Bronco. Oh, the Bronco Sport is really excellent. good. Yeah. This was one of my highlights this year, actually. I really enjoyed the Bronco Sport Heritage. I was good size. It was comfortable. It was. But um, it was out last year. So it's, it's, yeah, not, a, it's, it's not a new vehicle. I drove so the speak. Heritage this year, which I liked a lot. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think that it's. Um, Pretty, pretty good for most folks, right? Most folks don't need the full-size Bronco. The Bronco Sport's going to deliver great performance at a more affordable price. I agree with you there, absolutely. So there you go. We added a little bit of Ford just to make you guys happy. All right, folks. Well, let us know what you think in the comments below. What did we miss? What are some of your highlights or lowlights of the year? Yeah, absolutely. And also, any surprises that you guys have found out there, perhaps something that you did not expect to be so good or so bad, right. let us know in the comments below. And check out all TFL.com if you want to find all the channels and podcasts. There's yeah, I'm, wearing, I'm wearing the shirt. There's a t-shirt all in one spot. All right, happy holidays, guys. We'll see you on the next one. See ya. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.